0: The 49ers are coming off a week on the road in the high elevations of the Air Force Academy in Colorado and Mexico City where the team had an emotional night in front of a lively contingent of their international supporters. Now the 49ers return home atop the NFC West standings. They prepare during Thanksgiving week to take on the New Orleans Saints on Sunday at Levi's Stadium. The 49ers will be looking to achieve some consistency. If they perform in all phases as they did Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals, they should be all right behind a balanced offense, a stingy defense, and an opportunistic special teams. Great Papa, the voice of the 49ers, helps us break down this matchup against the Saints, and Jennifer Lee Chan steps in, and we discuss how Jimmy Garoppolo and the team's offensive line has stepped up. All that and more on 49ers Talk, coming at you right now.
1: Welcome to another edition of 49ers Talk on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing
0: your host, Matt Mayoko. All right, this is 49ers Talk, brought to you by Big O Tires. I'm Matt Mayoko. She's Jennifer Lee Chan, and we are back from Mexico City. We had tortas. We they had so good. We had tacos. Also good. We had drinks. Very very good. And we spent a lot of time in the airport on Monday. Holy no, Tuesday, I guess.
2: Holy moly. That was a crazy travel day for everybody. You want to tell your story first? Not really. Okay.
0: <laughs> you don't want to relive it? Well, it was one of those things where usually I, when I'm ever, I'm involved with like stuff that goes horribly wrong, it's... of the times it's my fault. Uh This was one that was not my fault. Oh, wow. Airlines, travel agency. I did my due diligence because you gave me some travel tips. I did all the things to avert disaster. Mm -hmm. Still disaster, but not really disaster. I was in the airport for eight hours uh, when I should have been in the airport for two hours um, through no fault of my own. And you had a long travel day, but at least you knew- that your flights were delayed, so you are able to go do some sightseeing.
2: I did. We had a great time running around the city a little bit. I was supposed to leave at 3. I ended up not leaving until 9.30, 9.45. Got back to the West Coast at midnight, and here we are. Here we are. for another episode of 49ers Talk Live. Yeah,
0: everybody I talked to in the airport, 49er fans, they were all going back to California. A lot of Southern California, a lot of Bay Area people, to a person. They were all... So thrilled that they went on that game because it it was an impressive game. It was an impressive environment and everything else. And then, of course, the fact that the 49ers won the game 38-10 to over the Arizona Cardinals, the quote-unquote home team, uh, made it all the better. And I think the way the 49ers won it with Jimmy Garoppolo really spreading the ball around and the 49ers passing game doing very well in the first half Mm -hmm. and then the running game kind of taking over in the second half and everybody had a role in that game and everybody played, you know, pretty well and contributed.
2: I mean, very much mistake free football, very few penalties, no turnovers. I think that's, that's always what bites them, right? It's the turnovers and it's self-inflicted wounds. We've heard that throughout the first five, six games, and really right now, they're kind of getting in their stride where they're having less less mistakes, less penalties. I think that makes a big difference on their performance. I think the only team that can beat the Niners if they really focus with all the potential they have on the roster. Let me guess. Themselves. Oh, I
0: was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes the uh, the 49ers are the only team that can be at the 49ers you think i think so We'll maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later right. but um you know so jimmy garoppolo and that offense 21 points unanswered in the second half of that game in the last three games they've outscored the opposition 54 to nothing after halftime and don't look now but jimmy garoppolo there. jimmy garoppolo <laughs> is putting up some stats Yes. Like the likes of which we've never seen Garoppolo have before. And when you look at quarterbacks in the NFC, this is the first time, even in 2019, when he had a good season, very good season, I never thought of him as even kind of like a borderline pro bowl type quarterback. Now I look at him in that class where you have kind of the, the guys who haven't been in that discussion before Groplo is on that list as is Geno Smith mm-hmm. and Jalen Hurts and then of course you have the old standbys Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady who you know are getting up there in years but they're still productive and of course they have the name recognition recognition where the Pro Bowl oftentimes is a little bit of a popularity contest if not a big time popularity contest but for the first time I think in his career Jimmy Garoppolo is in that Pro Bowl discussion.
2: I think it's interesting that he has a 104.1 rating, the best in his career, best since he's been with the 49ers. He has only thrown four interceptions. We've seen him through his entire 49ers career. He's had ups and downs. You always know there's feels like there's always a game where you're like, oh, there was that one throw and
0: it's usually to like a linebacker who's standing right there that Mm -hmm. he doesn't see.
2: Right. And he hasn't done that in several games. And I know at least one of those four interceptions that he's thrown this year was kind of one of those hail Mary at the end of the half, just giving a guy a chance to grab it, to see if they could get some points on the board before halftime. So, I mean, maybe technically really three that's unheard of for Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Yeah, it it is. And I mean, he's, He's fourth in the league in, in passer rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I found interesting is that, you, do you realize he's number five all-time NFL passer rating? All-time. Career. All-time. You you heard me correctly. Number five <laughs> all-time. One,
2: one more time. All-time.
0: <laughs> and which... I guess goes to speak, I I know the passer rating formula is some people believe it's flawed, but Mm -hmm. it generally tells you who the better quarterbacks are. But I think maybe it's also how the game has changed a little bit in that, you know, it's high percentage. There's certainly an emphasis on taking care of the football. You know, you get docked for not, you know, for obviously for throwing interceptions, but You know, his yards per attempt is really high up there. Uh, Number four in the league in yards per attempt, 8.1 yards uh, per attempt. And he's just playing really good football. And um,
2: uh, Do you think some of it is the supporting cast? I think it is. But also, he is not making those big mistakes. Now, yes, of course, the supporting cast. I know people listening are going to think, well, but look at who he's surrounded by. Well, of course, you've got Christian McCaffrey, you've got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Kyle Yuschek, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you can't, you would think you can't go wrong with all those people around you, but you've seen in your years covering the NFL, you've seen teams that say oh it's the it's the super bowl team and then what happens yeah. something happens and they don't play well together so it's not just all those players but the fact that they have good chemistry together cuz sometimes you get all those star players together and it doesn't work out it seems like they're really team oriented and that they are okay with spreading the ball around which helps them be productive on the field.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that was interesting to me about this last game was that the Cardinals early on in the game said, we're not going to allow you to run the football. And so what they do, they stack the box. They put eight men or seven, uh, six men. Mm-hmm. I knew it was one of those numbers. Six men. <laughs> a lot on, of guys. Yeah, a lot of guys <laughs> on the line of scrimmage. And they basically said, we dare you to beat us through the air. And so Kyle Shanahan said, okay. you, you dare us? We'll do it. Yeah, And so in the first half, they attempted 21 passes. Garoppolo threw for 153 yards and two touchdowns. And then the game flipped in the second half. The 49ers scored 17 points in the first half, throwing the football a lot. Then in the second half, they scored 21 points. And it was basically, it flipped from a run, a pass dominated for first half to a run dominated second half. So the 49ers ran the ball 21 times instead of attempting 21 passes. They threw the ball only eight times after attempting only seven runs in the first half, and they score three touchdowns. And so last week, I talked to Kyle Shanahan uh, for an interview that ran on 49ers game plan, and we talked a lot about philosophy and how he approaches this. So this interview actually happened before the game, but I think it's it's relevant because I asked him about how he envisions the 49ers run game meshing with the pass game and what they're trying to do as far as setting up their offense. And this is what Kyle Shanahan had to say.
1: I believe in a philosophy of that. uh, You want to be in normal situations about 50, 50, um, just because I want to attack in every situation and I don't want a defense to ever, um, make us one dimensional. Um, so you always want the threat of the run, the threat of the pass. And when you can do that, um, usually you can get the explosives, you can get very good looks for all your players, whether it's run game or pass game. Um, and then you get your third downs so Then you can get behind, you can get ahead and those change things when that happens. But um, I mean, the better we get, the stronger what we always do gets. Um, that's where when we bet at our best, we've always run the ball very well. And when, whenever we've ran the ball very well, look at our pass stats too. Um, those are, were the most consistent and the best at throwing the ball when we're doing that also. Um, whenever we come one-dimensional each way, that's usually when you can get some yards, but when we talk about efficiency and things like that, uh, that's usually when we don't win games. So I feel um, we got it set up where we can be that way. Um, that's not just offense. That's how it balances out on special teams and defense, but this is the type of team we want. Now, we got to keep improving each week. Like. I think we have, um, starting back at that Atlanta game. Um, offensively, I thought we've improved each week. I know our defense had a setback there versus Kansas City, um, but we came out strong here these last two weeks, and um, hopefully we can keep getting some guys back as it goes. You always will end up losing some guys, too. That's part of this game, and, but I like where we're at right now.
0: Okay. So you heard it. He wants to be 50, 50. He's always said that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works out that way. And usually when it is 50, 50, it means that things are going well, because as he mentioned, if the run game's working, it help- helps the passing game. If the passing game's working, it helps the running game. And I tell you another guy who's helped the 49ers running game and passing game. And this is a guy that um, is an outstanding player and you know, I wasn't on social media much last week because we were traveling. I just, I was doing other things. I was like, I had my mind, I just, I just didn't have much time for social media. I had a great time in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy. I had a great time in Mexico City, but perhaps my, the best thing that happened to me was I missed that entire nonsense about trent williams tipping plays by his stance so i was completely oblivious to all of that until i heard trent williams talk about it and i was just kind of like hold it what like the best player at his position in the game people are thinking that he's a detriment to the team because he's somehow tipping plays but yet he's so good at what he does then shouldn't everybody be tipping plays?" (laughs)
2: he got a little fired up in that press conference and it was, it was interesting to watch because he was explaining it, you know, yes. Okay. It makes sense that he has to have a certain position if he's preparing for a run or a pass just because of what he needs to do with his body. So I think it's understandable. Of course, you don't want to give any clues to the defense at all, but he had such a good point. Okay. If I'm tipping that it's a run, we've got 50 run plays with six setups in each one. So, math, do the math. That's 300 combinations.
0: That's a lot. So there's- You didn't allow me to do the math. You just jumped in with that. Did you know? You know this. You know I'm horrible at math. So actually I started to panic when you said do the math and I was like, so I had the flop sweat going and then you saved me by then giving me the answer. So thank you.
2: You're welcome. It's all about teamwork here. Yeah. Just yeah, like but the 49ers. You... Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, there's no way you can know Who's going to carry the ball, especially if they have two guys in the backfield or if they have an empty backfield, you don't know. You don't know what the offensive line's going to do, whether they're going to sweep right or where they're going to push left. So he's right in the fact that it might tip a little bit, that it might be a run, but you have no idea what type of run or where the guy is going to go out of the backfield through which gap, which direction. So, I mean, that makes sense. And Trent Williams, I, I don't know how you could argue that he's not the best at his job. Yes. Yeah. He's,
0: uh, I mean, th- there aren't very many metrics out there for offensive linemen, but I mean, he passes the eye test, right? He's <laughs> size, strength, athleticism, smarts. He's got it all. He's pro football Focus's highest graded offensive lineman, And according to their grading system, he had the best game of, of uh, the season, his season on Monday night. So are people really bashing him for that?
2: I don't know how you can, you look at him and how he's a giant human being and how he gets out in front of blocks when he's a lead blocker,
0: I wouldn't want to face him. <laughs> well, you're also like a hundred and like ish. one pound,
2: <laughs> but I mean,
0: should I have said 98 pounds?
2: No, okay. Uh, no. Okay. hundred ish is fine. But <laughs> looking at him and the athleticism of the offensive lineman across the board, especially in the run game, Trent Williams spoke very highly of Drake Jake Brendel who had that Incredible pancake block on Debo Samuel's touchdown run. because
0: it G. Debo Samuel's? Yes, it, was. Yeah, it gets Buddha Breaker. Yes. Uh, did I call him Buddha Breaker? Buddha Baker.
2: Jake Brendel Trent Williams thinks, is one of the most athletic centers that's out there. They don't really ask for that from their centers. They ask the guards and the tackles to be athletic. Kyle Shanahan is one of and Chris Furster, the offensive lineman, line coach. But to have an athletic center as well, really allows them to open up that run game and do a lot of different things, especially with the blocking. And what was he like 20 yards ahead?
0: Uh, Brendel. Yeah. Like
2: 30. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean the ability to do that as an athlete, changes what kyle shanahan could do in the run game Yeah,
0: what i found is the the people who who uh scream the loudest and act like they know the most are generally the people who know the least <laughs> and so <laughs> uh that's what we're looking at And you know one guy who knows a lot about the offensive line because he helped um, you know it's his offense and is kyle shanahan and i did ask him about the offensive line because remember we we never said the offensive line would be a weakness, Mm -mm. but we did say repeatedly that that was the biggest area of uncertainty because we didn't know and we knew what the foreigners were getting with Trent Williams, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we figured that Mike McGlinchey would be in a spot to be a better player this season because he was healthy. And I think he has been playing better lately. And then the uncertainty of the three interior guys, but clearly the team saw something that they liked. You know, they they have invested a lot of draft picks, but mm-hmm. they didn't go out and sign anybody. So these are all um, young guys as far as they didn't go out and sign anybody for a big contract after Alex Mack retired. So um, with Aaron Banks at left guard with Jake Brindle at center, and then with that combination of Spencer Burford and Daniel Brunskill at right guard for have gotten pretty good production. And here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about that unit.
1: Yeah, i've been excited about them I and mean, we thought we had a chance to have a good old line going into the season um, and we, we had the experience with our two tackles uh, but we had three new guys playing inside but and we get to see those guys in practice every day two of them were, not, were on our team last year so we got to see them in practice every day and um, that's why we went into the season believing in them because they showed they were good enough to do it um, and then we drafted spencer who right away he looked the part um, so we felt good going into these games but uh, you never know until you get into an nfo game um, you know first always says and I can't believe um, and I can't agree with them anymore but uh, the NFL doesn't start until you get your butt kicked and that usually happens to an alignment and, and to everybody and then it's about how you react after that and um, so you got to see those guys play and now we're nine games into it and Um, they're made of the right stuff. Um, We always knew they had the ability, but I believe they've gotten better each game. Um, And we've had our tackles out sometime, and those three inside have been consistent. Um, And the main thing is they're improving. Um, This is all their first year, but I believe they're all better right now than they were two weeks ago, definitely than than they were week one. And um, they keep staying healthy, and um, we'll have a good group here at the end of the year.
2: You just look at that group and how much inexperience there is between those three players. Aaron Banks, yes, he was a high-round draft pick, but didn't play much in his rookie year because he was injured, didn't have a, a full off season that really hampered his development. And then Spencer Burford, really young player, no experience as well. Jake Brendel has been around in the NFL a long time, but has not started many games. So the fact that they have such little experience and they're able to build their chemistry together so that they're able to work well as a unit is pretty impressive.
0: With a theory uh, this week, it's kind of dawned on me you know the 49 got off to a rough start offensively mm-hmm. and you know they weren't scoring a lot of points they were you know bottom half of the league as far as points scored and right now things seem to be rolling so well and christian mccaffrey is playing a big part of that because just of the attention that he attracts and it opens things up for other guys. And that game Monday night was a a really good example. Um, Actually the game against the chargers was a good example because he didn't do a whole lot as far as all purpose yards, but he enabled other guys to have good games. But this game Monday night, You're going to say something.
2: Well, it's kind of like how Nick Bosa draws attention to him on the defensive line. So it gives other guys opportunities. Yeah.
0: And the thing about this game Monday night was that, you know, we've talked about, oh, so many mouths to feed. How's Kyle Shanahan going to keep everybody happy? Heck, how's Jimmy Garoppolo going to keep everybody happy? And everybody was happy. On Monday night, because George Kittle made his plays and Debo Samuel made his plays and Brandon I made his plays and Elijah Mitchell and Kyle Yuschek had a rushing first down. And so did Jimmy Garoppolo, who also had four touchdown passes, career high. And did I mention uh, did I, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey? have a, Did I mention every? I think I mentioned everybody. I think you mentioned all the mouths that yes. needed to be fed. Right. And so my theory is that if the 49ers offense had been humming, Early in the season, and had they not had those losses to maybe not necessarily the Bears, because that was kind of an anomaly because of the the weather, but to the Broncos, to the Falcons, um, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, actually, no, the Kansas City Chiefs happened after what I'm going to say, but the offense wasn't, it was kind of sputtering my theory is that if the offense had been rolling the 49ers would have been less inclined to give up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth to get Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers, because I think that they would have wanted him of course, but would they have traded away that many picks to get Christian McCaffrey? So my theory is at the end of the season, or even right now, It might have been the best thing that ever happened to the 49ers that the offense wasn't up to that high level and they felt, the desire or the need to go out there and make sure that no one outbid them for Christian McCaffrey. I
2: mean, he really has kind of been an adrenaline boost to this offense. Now, of course, part of the offense sputtering was that they were completely designed to work with Trey Lance under center. That makes a huge difference. The coaching changes. We've talked about that on the pod before, how no one that is in their position now was in their role with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So while they are familiar with him, They didn't have a plan really for Jimmy Garoppolo to take over. And then you have George Kittle who didn't play or practice early in the season. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have an off season. Elijah
0: Samuel didn't have an off season.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. For not for injury reasons, but for
0: contract issues. He showed up at training camp, but he didn't have that off season of work.
2: Elijah Mitchell played week one and then he was out. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have been in and out of the offensive lineup and, Right now, for about three weeks, they've had everybody be able to go to practice, be able to play. I think that does so much for their chemistry on the field. Yeah.
0: Uh, John Lynch told me that he felt that uh, this, what we're seeing from Jimmy Garoppolo, these number of kind of off schedule plays, Mm -hmm. he gave a lot of credit to Brian Greasy. He felt like uh, Brian Greasy's kind of really been good for Jimmy because Brian Greasy has played the position. He's never coached before, but he's played the position and he's really connected with Jimmy Garoppolo. In the last three weeks, we've seen those off schedule plays that we've never really seen before from Garoppolo, other than the end of the 2017 season when he didn't even know the playbook so we pretty much every pretty much every play was an off-schedule play but you know the last three weeks a touchdown pass to McCaffrey a long gainer to Ray Ray McLeod and then the play that to George Kittle that was completely off schedule. that you know Garoppolo broke the pocket looked like he was going to run for a first down on third and four and then uh, a good chemistry relationship between the players where you know Kittle Flash, you know, deep. I'm going deep, and and Garoppolo hit him with a very safe pass. So, uh, the offense is rolling.
2: We haven't seen that in the past year. No. Exactly right. Usually, when Jimmy Garoppolo sees an opening, he just runs, gets the first down, and that's it. But the fact that he's pushing it down the field for a bigger play
0: is yeah, but big you know. It, so here's the thing: like people talked about, all oh, the 49ers, you know, they weren't conservative in the second half. Well, they they did run the ball a heck of a lot more than they passed. I think it's all perception and reality. I think that. Jimmy Groplo did not throw the ball down the field at all really or not effectively other than that pass to Kittle which was an off-schedule play. Mm-hmm. What Jimmy does so well is the 49ers stretch the field horizontally, not vertically. Mm-hmm. And when you stretch the field, it it enables, you know, basically holes or seams to to be created and what Groplo what his superpower is is that he gets the ball
2: Superpower. Superpower. I like that. That. I like
0: that. But his superpower is that he gets the ball generally to the right guy in stride, in space. And then he has guys like Kittle, Iuke, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he has those kinds of guys who, when they're in space, they can make big plays. So, you know, a 32 yard touchdown pass to George Kittle was, I think, a pass behind the line of scrimmage. But That's part of it. And that's the 49ers plan of attack. It hasn't changed. They're not going to push the ball down the field because that's not what they do. They are guys. They're composed comprised of guys who can make plays with the ball in their hands. And so that's, that's the recipe for success. It has been successful. All you have to do is look at what the 49ers record is when Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback for this team.
2: I think they win when he's back there.
0: That's what I've heard. I've also heard that we have a break coming up because we need to hear these words from Big O Tires.
2: Big O Tires Black Friday sale is here. Get great savings on auto care services and buy three tires. Get one free on select in-stock Mesa tires with installation
1: purchase. Visit BigOtires.com for other Black Friday saving offers through December 4th. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Life
2: is uncertain. It's okay to feel stressed, anxious, worried, or frustrated. CalHOPE can help. Access CalHOPE's free and secure mental health resources. Call 833-317-4673 or live chat at calhope.org. All
0: right, we're back on 49ers Talk. And last week when I did have a chance to talk to Kyle Shanahan, I asked him about how... Jimmy Ward and Tashawn Gibson, how their roles have kind of evolved where now Tashaun Gibson is a starting free safety and Jimmy Ward is the nickelback. And here's what he had to say.
1: Well, I love the roles they're in right now. I mean, um, You know, once we lost E-man, it it changed some stuff up uh, because Demo kind of had done a really good job of that nickel um, and we were great on the outside. And um, once we lost E-man, Demo was our next corner on the outside. So, But the only way that allowed us to do that was to find a really good nickel. And that was the week that Jimmy came back. Uh, So it made a lot of sense to ease him into that role on nickel because, I mean, he's since I've been here, I feel Jimmy's been our best cover guy. Um, wherever he is, Um, whether it's on a slot receiver, whether it's on a tight end. um, We have no problem if we trained him that way to play him outside a corner. Um, Jimmy covers as good as anyone. Um, He plays great at safety too. And Sometimes he was in the middle of the field lots of times in our game plans. I can't tell you how many times he was the guy in Cooper Cup, we called him a safety, but on third down, he played like a nickel. If the team had a good tight end, we'd put him over at the tight end. So this allows us to put Jimmy and, to me, what he does better than anyone else on our team, and that's cover guys. Um, With our, you know, with E-Man getting hurt and always having Mooney on the outside, we wouldn't be able to do that if Gip and Huff were not playing at such a high level. Um, So the fact that we got Gip, you know, um, in the middle of training camp, just sitting on the street, and to him come in and play at such a high level that allows us to use Jimmy at something that he does that no one on our team does good um, as good as him, it has really helped us. Um, if Giff couldn't do that, we'd have to put Jimmy back at safety and then it's just a trickle down effect. So it's been great. I know Jimmy isn't out there when they're on base, but um, not many teams go base that much. So I think it's been a good thing for Jimmy. Everyone in this league knows how well he can play safety. Um, but what he's doing right now is what separates them for the rest of the people in this league.
0: All right, we're back on 49ers Talking. You just heard Kyle Shanahan talking about Tashaun Gibson and Jimmy Ward and, and how that whole situation has worked out in the 49ers' defensive backfield. And, Greg, um, are you surprised that Jimmy Ward hasn't gotten his job back at free safety and that it's Tashaun Gibson and now Jimmy is the full-time nickelback?
3: No, I mean, Tashawn Gibson is a player that, that we've been watching for years. And, and Kyle obviously knew him going back to when he was a pro bowler in 2014. And he went to Jacksonville. We saw him last year in Chicago when he played against the 49ers on Halloween. Now, he's a good player, and he's a true free safety. I think he makes Talanohu funga, and his ability to kind of be a wild card, flying around, coming off the edge, blitzing, fitting the run, and just his study habits. Uh, you know, he can pick up behind that. Um, I, I think, you know, looking back on it, the Jimmy Ward hamstring injury the Sunday after that Packer game. Turned out to be a godsend because if he doesn't get hurt, you don't get to Sean Gibson, and if you don't get to to, uh, to Sean Gibson, Matt, that that injury Emmanuel Mosley suffered October the tenth, in Carolina would be more profound. But now you got to Sean Gibson, keep him there. Uh, you know, Giomador Lenore is playing really well, and then you move Jimmy Ward in the nickel, and and Jimmy took a little while to get used to playing with that cast on his hand and. You know, the first game back was against Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's hard, but he played better the next game against uh, Cooper Cup, but he's getting better and better. I was talking to Dante Whitner today. He thinks his game again last week against uh, Arizona and Mexico City was the best he's played. He had the, he had the INT. So, uh, no, I mean, right now, you got your five something. Let, let's just not suffer any more injuries. Sam Olmack may have to uh, mix in, but the two wards, Charverius and, and Jimmy. And you got Demo, and then you got Talano Hufung and Sean Gibson. I think you got your five-some right there. So, no, I'm not surprised. I do what a good player to Gibson. is Ben, and he's one of the – very quietly, Matt – He's been one of the best players on defense this year for the Niners.
0: Yeah, it really has been a surprise to me anyway, but not to Kyle Shanahan because, as you mentioned, he, he knows him very well. So this weekend against the Saints, the 49ers will face another test. Chris Alave, the rookie, 51 catches, 760 yards, three touchdowns, uh, catching passes from Andy Dalton. So what does Olave do to put stress on the 49ers defensive backfield?
3: Well, he's very different than DeAndre Hopkins. And I, I like what the 49ers did with Trevarius Ward, you know, moving him to right corner, offensive left. He did not follow DeAndre Hopkins around. He just went where DeAndre Hopkins was going to be most snaps. And he got winded. You know, that was a hard thing. He had to get a baby girl last week. He didn't show up in Colorado Springs, man, until uh, the Saturday practice. So he was, he was sucking wind big time early in that game at Elevation in Mexico City on Monday. Um, So I love that matchup. I don't think they'll do it this game. I don't know. Alave is completely different than DeAndre Hopkins. And um, he is, I don't know why. Drake London was the first wide receiver taken this year by Atlanta. I don't know why Alave wasn't. I I don't know what they're watching. Uh, Alave to me is like a a five-year NFL veteran. Immediately as a rookie. He is so polished as a route runner. And a lot of his stuff is vertical. Uh, He'll run a lot of post routes and goes. He's a deep ball guy. He's got tremendous speed, but he runs them all. He runs away from man. He feels zone. He sits down. He is a polished player. The one thing about him, and I'm going back to Dante Whitner again, Ohio State Buckeye, um, he can be – I'm not going to say he's soft, football player. Nobody who plays football soft. But um, the one thing you can maybe do with him is try to reroute him and be physical with him, but he's the real deal. I I think right now, Matt, you're looking at uh, potentially the NFL offensive rookie of the year and Chris Olave this year with New Orleans. He's been that good. Yeah.
0: Hey, uh, I want to backtrack now, Uh, Mexico city. We had a great time and um, I'm with Carlos Ramirez going back on our van to the, uh, to the airport or to the uh, hotel. And he must've played that video clip, the audio of you and Tim Ryan 50 times, maybe a hundred times. We were all going nuts when we heard your description of the Brandon IU
3: touchdown.
0: <laughs> and then Tim Ryan jumps in too. Yeah. I mean, it was it was great. Tell me about your experience. Was that did that exceed your ex- expectations of that 40 yards trip? Uh, and what you were expecting going into it, and then just the reality of how it transpired.
3: And I was debating all oh, getting ready for that trip. Should I go to Colorado Springs for the 49ers and they were encouraging me. We got your passport here. Come with us. We'll fly, you know, watch practice fly in. And part of me was thinking, I want to go right to Mexico City <laughs> and soak it up and maybe stay on the back end for Thanksgiving. I don't know. Uh, the, my main regret is I wasn't there long enough. I was there about 24 hours before um, the game kicked off and I had to do radio the next day. You were on the show with me. I didn't have a lot of time. And it was a long day Sunday in Colorado Springs for walkthrough. The bus rides were long. The plane ride was long. It was, you know, we got there, it was tiring to get to the hotel, Matt. But when we pulled into the Hyatt Regency in Mexico city and it got into that loading dock where the players were going through and there were thousands, thousands of 49er fans. They're singing songs. And I stopped and I videoed it. I played it on the radio the next day. And I, I got. I know Nick was talking about the same thing. They were all tired, but when they felt that energy of those Forty Nine er fans, it was amazing. It was amazing. And then the stadium itself, and I don't know what do they say? Seventy eight thousand four two seven were there for the game. I'll give Arizona four hundred twenty seven fans. The other seventy eight thousand were all Niner fans, and they were for all over the globe. And uh, a lot of them are from the Bay Area. Uh, a lot of them were from Mexico. It was everywhere. And they know the game. It was so much fun. The actual game was a lot of fun. But I thought the the timeouts were better because they're singing and they're, it was just nonstop. It was just so much fun. And then the way the 49ers played, it was, ah, no, all night long. They scored five touchdowns Could have had more. So I don't know. I'm hearing rumblings about maybe going to Europe next year with the Niners. We'll see where they go. I, I can't wait. I don't think to well, a man. I think everybody in that locker room, Kyle Shannon in particular, we all want to go back to Mexico City.
0: Yeah. So now they're at their home, not their home away from home, their home away from this country, but they're back at Levi's Stadium, yeah, yeah, yeah. a three game, three game homestand. And to me, this one is a big one because uh, up ahead on the schedule, the Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you're talking about that emotional high of Mexico City and all the travel last week. Now, this one is dangerous, isn't it, Greg? Yeah,
3: and when, I know you're going to talk to Kyle. Maybe ask him why they didn't take the bye week after Mexico City. The teams have the, when you play internationally, you can pick. Do you want your bye week before you go international? After they chose neither, they they took it between the two LAs, you know, the Rams and Chargers. Um, it is Thanksgiving week. And, and the trip to Mexico City is not like going to Europe. You know, it's more like going to, you know, South Texas. You can look at it that way, you know, way South Texas, but it's not like you're going, you know, over the Atlantic and it's, you know, then you got to take the bye if you're going to play in, in Germany or, or London. So, but at this game, it's a short week. We got back crack of dawn on Tuesday. It was a long day of travel. Uh, Wednesday's practice, today's practice, man. I don't know how much they're going to do. I've been looking to walk through. And then you yeah, had Thanksgiving. So, you know, what do you do on Thursday? That's your beefy day of practice, but it's Thanksgiving. So this game does concern me. New Orleans, Andy Dalton, obviously Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, We talked about uh, the the rookie receiver, Alave. They got Cam Jordan, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew on the other side. They got players. So, um, and the way to look at this, you you got three-game winning streak going into a three-game homestand. And it's not like a baseball homestand or a basketball homestand. It's just different. But you do have three in a row at home, all leading to the game in Seattle on December the 15th. It's Lumen. The game in Lumen Field is Lumen. And I think what you want there – is to, to to make the three-game winning streak a six-game winning streak. Have a little cushion when you go into that game where it's not going to come down to, like, the Drake play on the one-inch line. Like, in 2019, you don't want that drama. So, to me, you know, just and, you know, stay focused, try to keep rolling. I think they're peaking at the right time, man. and try to get a little separation because right now you have the same record with Seattle. you own on the tiebreaker – But you'd rather have a little cushion going into that game in Seattle.
0: That's Greg Papa. He's the voice of the 49ers. Whether it's English or Spanish, he's the voice. And this has been Ask Papa. And
3: Carlos taught me that call. It's all because of Carlos Ramirez. And I botched the second one but the first one I got. Ah, no! Tassion! Looking for a bit of adventure this summer? Look no further than a new fuel-efficient Toyota Hybrid. As the industry leader, Toyota offers more hybrid models than any other brand, so you can live life to the fullest while getting incredible
0: MPG. Go farther than ever before this season in the most fuel-efficient way possible and stay big at the pump all summer long in a brand-new Toyota Hybrid. It all starts at Toyota's national sales event. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate nine great years at Greaten Resort and Casino. Play to enter anniversary Clinko Saturdays in November, up to $1 million in prizes. Plus, more ways to win than anywhere else. Tuesdays, turn points into slot play. Multiplier Wednesdays, get up to seven times the points. Thursdays, win up to $15,000 in the ninth anniversary slot tournaments. Learn more at greatenresortcasino.com. Complete rules available at the Rewards Center. Whenever you need a recharge from the gym, training, a race, or everyday life, FitAid Energy has you covered. Now in four electric flavors, new FitAid Energy's 200 milligrams of clean caffeine from green tea helps fight your fitness fatigue and contains our original post-workout recovery blend. Visit FitAidEnergy.com to save up to 30%. November is Headstrong Month, and this initiative is sponsored by Cal Hope with NBC Sports Bay Area. The Cal Hope Together for Wellness website has easy-to-navigate wellness tools, including ones that educate and provide stress management and coping skills. For more information, visit calhope.org today. We are back on 49ers Talk. Matt Mayoka with Jennifer Lee Chan. And we do this thing every, well, this week it was Wednesday, but it's called 49ers Overreactions. It's brought to you by Toyota. And so some of the overreactions, very predictable. I think we talked about it after the game on Monday. I always have to think it's 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 Thanksgiving, a weird week. Thanksgiving Day week. And by the way, we hope you're um have enjoyed or are enjoying your turkey and your football, that combination.
2: Carbs. Carbs. Lots of carbs. Lots of carbs.
0: A lot of um what is it called? Tryptophan.
2: That's with the turkeys.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why I sleep very well on Thanksgiving week. And Thanksgiving Day <laughs> is it Thanksgiving Day week or is it Thanksgiving week? Whatever doesn't matter.
2: Doesn't matter. Let's make it longer though. Let's go Thanksgiving week. Okay, because we're not. It's a good holiday. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So, uh, so one of the the overreactions. Jimmy Garoppolo can. T- if Jimmy Garoppolo continues to play like this, he's quarterback number one next year. Overreaction?
2: Uh, I think it is an overreaction. Well, it seems like it would be a good thing. They've got so much money tied up in other players. They've got to pay Nick Bosa. It's a possibility. I just don't think it happens. I don't
0: think it's an overreaction, but okay. I think it's a it's a very much unlikely scenario, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the foreigners would like to have him back. There's that, no question. Of course. Yes.
2: All he does is win.
0: Yes. But- at what price? And you mentioned—I mean, it's not just Nick Bosa; it's these rising contracts for Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams and and George Kittle and Charvarius Ward and Fred Warner and Eric Armstead and on and on and on. Yeah, uh, Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel, yeah. um So it's—I it, just don't see it happening because if you bring back Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to be on a starter's contract, and you've basically said we're turning the page on Trey Lance. And I don't think they're getting ready to turn the page on Trey Lance. And by the way, both you and I saw him on this road trip. I saw him at the Air Force Academy walking around. You saw him in Mexico City Mm -hmm. walking around. I think it looks, I mean, I think you saw him going up a ramp or going down a ramp. ramp. Yeah. So he
2: he came down the ramp that went from the Fortnite's locker room to the field, very steep, and it was astroturf. So it was a little slippery. He was a little tentative, walked a little bit slower, but he didn't make it all the way down, high-fived all the kids that were lining the path for them to get to the field. And then also you can tell he's very involved with the team because after Brandon Ayuk, one of his touchdowns, they showed on the screen that Trey Lance went right up to him, congratulated him for the score. So he's in there. Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday that he's been in meetings and he's very involved and now, you know, doesn't have to be outside. They were happy that he traveled with the team on this trip,
0: yeah. So when I saw him walking, he looked fine. And so it kind of led me to think, like, hold it now. Let's see if the firms make the playoffs. We're not even in December yet. You know, it, this season could go on for a while. Is it possible that Trey Lance could get back on the field or at least serve as a backup? And so I asked, uh, I asked Kyle Shanahan that on Wednesday, and he said he's not been told that. I think the idea is just like, don't rush it. Let's just make sure he's ready to go.
2: Well, you know, when this team has had issue after issue of setbacks after guys have been injured, they don't want to do that with Trey Lance, yeah, right,
0: and one of the questions was or one of the overreactions was that Trey Lance will have to earn the quarterback job next year. he just won't be given to him. That's an overreaction because if Trey Lance, or let's put it this way, if Jimmy Garoppolo somehow is back with the team, that means Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. There's no question about it because he will be signing a contract for starters money. So if Jimmy Garoppolo is back, there's no chance that Trey Lance is the, the starting quarterback. However, if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't back, there's no chance that Trey Lance will not be the starting quarterback. So therefore, there's going to be no competition. We will know in the middle of March who the 49 starting quarterback is going to be. In the middle of March, of course, is when free agency opens. Um, here's another one. And you kind of alluded to this, Jennifer, in the opening of this podcast. One of the overreactions is the 49ers are in fact the best, the most physical, the most talented team in the NFC. I don't think that's an overreaction. It might not be true because I, you know, the the Eagles are good. The Vikings are good. You know, the Cowboys are good. Buccaneers have the ability to be good.
2: I like that. They have the ability to be good. Well, they're not good right now.
0: Right. But I think that I don't think that's an overreaction because of all those skill players that we talked about, and we haven't even talked really about the defense, you know, where you have those linebackers, you have the defensive backs, you have Deshaun Gibson playing so well, um, you know, taking over for Jimmy Ward and Jimmy Ward playing well as a nickel back. Burners very well might be the most talented team in the NFC.
2: They're incredibly physical, especially when you look at the offense. I know we've talked a lot about the offense, but the yards after catch and the yards after contact. I don't think there's anyone on the 49ers offense that really allows the first person that contacts them to tackle them. They really, it takes at least two, sometimes three guys to bring George Kittle down, Debo Samuel, Brandon Aukes up there, Christian McCaffrey, all those guys, it takes more than one guy. And it's usually, at least after they get five yards, if they're rolling like they were in Mexico City, they're just hard to bring down. And the defense is the same way.
0: Okay, so, um, for a big one coming up against the Saints, it's kind of a, it's a trap game, right? Because they played these, you know, they played a high profile game against the rams then they had the bye week they came back and played in prime time against the chargers a lot of energy here at Levi, Levi Stadium for that game. And then they go to Mexico City, they're on the road for the week. It doesn't get more emotional, more exciting than that game mm-hmm. in Mexico City which just everything going on. It felt it felt like a different kind of game. And then you look ahead and it's you know Mike McDaniel and Tua and all the former 49ers coming into Levi Stadium as 49ers will face the the dolphins. And then the week after that, it's Tom Brady coming back to the Bay area, perhaps for the final time, unless he plays like seven more. Well, he's going to, no, I shouldn't even say that he'll play again in the, in the Bay area. He's not going to ever retire, but anyway, those are two kind of, you know, marquee types of games. And then you have this game against the saints on a short week. They're tired after a lot of travel. So it sets itself up. It doesn't set up well for the 49ers, even though they're the home team. So this is not one to be overlooked at all for a team that now is six and four. They're tied atop the NFC West standings, but actually they're in that top spot because they hold the tiebreaker over Seattle. And then also, I didn't even mention after that Buccaneers game is the big one that mid December game against Seattle. So this is, this is one not to be overlooked.
2: Yeah. It's one of those things that happens so much in college football. It's, doesn't happen quite as much in the NFL, but it always does, especially with the time change and the altitude change. I thought Kyle Shanahan's comment was very funny. It's like, yeah, when you go from altitude down to sea level, it's like you run fast. Yeah, we're all running faster, yeah. but it really it only lasts for a few days, he said.
0: You can only, yeah, he said they can run all day because yeah. they're, they're, uh, <laughs> their lung capacity is built up. Hey, the uh, pro football hall of fame announced 28 semifinalists. You say, hold it now. Usually it's 25 semifinalists. The reason it's 28 this year is because there were ties uh, that enabled three additional players to get in for the class of 2023. This is the modern era guys. So only five of those can make the hall of fame. And it is a star. It's a star stud list. And like, when you look at it, um you know first ballot hall of famers i'm looking at the list i would think that joe thomas and daryl revis would probably be first ballot guys Mm -hmm. those are the the you know i would Mm -hmm. think those guys are pretty obviously they're great players but there are three players who played formerly for the 49ers. Of course, Patrick Willis played his entire career with the 49ers and was basically a pro bowler every season he played. And then also Anquan Bolden, who made quite an impact in his short time with the team. One of the toughest players I think I've ever seen at the wide receiver position. Yes. But there's a really a big group of wide receivers, so that's going to be tough, as it will be for Patrick Willis because you have a linebacker like um, – uh Zach Thomas, who's been a finalist in the past, and then of Ricky Waters, who was a really, really good running back. And in, in fact, Steve Young at one point said that um, he just can't believe, he can't fathom this many years after the fact that the 49ers allowed him to leave, or else they might have won more Super Bowls. So that's a pretty good list of um, of Hall of Fame candidates.
2: Yeah, as a Hall of Fame voter, how do you whittle that list down, Matt?
0: That's a good question. <laughs> I, How uh, long I, do you have to decide? I, in a couple of weeks. I have, to, <laughs> I, I have a list of, I rank the guys. So I'm going to go off that initial list and do a little bit more research and move pieces around. But no, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not easy. Um, and before we go, you know, who deserves a game ball from the performance on, from the game Monday night? Carlos Ramirez. Well, Carlos does for sure. Because <laughs> Carlos had a had a rough our colleague carlos ramirez the host of pre and post game show at nbc sports bay area had a really difficult time getting to the airport considering that the uber he was in was rear-ended and spun around on the freeway and caused a traffic jam that people late getting to the airport were like oh hey that's the reason there's a huge traffic jam so shout out to carlos
2: absolutely amazing that he made it through the entire weekend it was a great one we enjoyed having him. Am around and us being with him but man what a weekend so i mean shout out to him for surviving that entire weekend yeah
0: i was thinking yes carlos deserves a game ball but i was also thinking nick shabeta
2: oh yes well yes he, he, he did get a game ball yes yeah, there you so go.
0: so nick is the videographer or video producer for the 49ers and brandon Ayuk's misguided celebration attempt landed literally in nick's lap
2: Inches away from where it would... Okay, this is where I beep
0: you out. Okay, are you going to keep this PG? Yes.
2: Inches away from where it would would have been very crippling. I am impressed by the fact that the camera...
0: Future generations of Shibata's (laughs) could have been impacted by Brandon Ayukes.
2: What made it really impressive was the fact that the camera didn't move. He barely flinched. He moved enough so that it didn't impact him very painfully. It was still painful. But the fact that the camera stayed still... I mean, that's That's a professional right there. That's a
0: professional. And he was battling food poisoning as well. And so I talked to Brandon Ayuk in the locker room on Wednesday, and he had the football, the second touchdown that he caught in that game. He had it ready. He was going to give it to Nick and he did give it to Nick, but he said he felt so bad about it, but he was glad that it happened to somebody he knew because he could easily track him down and apologize and present a gift. And also, um, unlike a situation earlier this season, you know, there wouldn't be any lawsuit coming or any kind of criminal thing. <laughs>
2: well, you watch Brandon Ayuk's body language; he did it, and he's like, "Oh!" Yeah. And he, but he's like, he knew knew that he knew that he felt so bad yeah. about it. I yeah. mean, that was just an unfortunate aim. He's not going to be throwing passes for the Niners well, anytime yeah, soon. I
0: don't think so. And if so, Nick should like hide right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, all's well that ends well, and with that. This is an end to 49ers Talk.